Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Mark Chambly with Lazy Rose Acres in Mineola, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to roll for you. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the push to pass Proposition 1, or the Texas Right to Farm Amendment, is well underway. We'll give you an update on what's happening with the Prop 1 campaign coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As Texas High Plains cattle raisers consider the best way to go for the next couple years or so, there are a variety of options for them to think about. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have the latest forecast from the Agriculture Department on U.S. ag exports for fiscal year 2024. Those numbers ahead on Texas Ag Today. Areas of Texas have received very little rainfall recently. As we continue to have warm temperatures, many of us are questioning whether to plant cool season annual forages. To plant or not to plant, that is the question. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The push to pass Proposition 1, or the Right to Farm Amendment, on the November ballot is well underway. State Representative Dwayne Burns wrote the amendment. Well, the response statewide has been great. We've had organizations, associations, individuals, and businesses that have stepped up to contribute to the Right to Farm Texas PAC. We've been meeting across the state with farmers and ranchers and folks that are interested in agriculture and preserving their property rights, and uh, really happy with how the campaign is moving. Burns says the support to pass Prop 1 has been very good, but more support is needed. Always use more support. We need more support. We need your support um, from the folks out there. Um, and if they, if they want to contribute or if they need yard signs, um, they can go to righttofarmtexas.com and find out more about how to do that, how to get signs, how to be a part of the process, how to contribute and uh, help us get this across the finish line. Again, the website is righttofarmtexas.com. That's right, the number two, farmtexas.com. A two-year study shows that a warfarin-based toxicant can be an effective tool for Texas landowners in the fight against feral hogs. 
Field evaluations of the toxicant were conducted by the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service on 23 sites in 10 counties in various parts of Texas. A team of extension specialists work with private landowners to place specially designed dispensers that prevent animals other than feral hogs from accessing the contents. Researchers conditioned feral hogs to access bait in the containers before applying the low-dose warfarin-based toxicant on the bait. Once the toxicant was applied, the feral hogs consumed lethal doses within five days of having access to it. Dr. John Tomachek, Extension Wildlife Specialist, said they found the toxicant can be highly effective when used correctly, and they saw no access to the toxicant by non-target species when all of the feeders were functioning properly. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Jessica Domel. A summer-long drought has set the stage for major wildfire potential across Texas. Hemp Hill County agent Andy Holloway says the potential for fires in his area is scary. We've got the perfect setup for a major catastrophe. If we were to get wind and the conditions like we had in March of 2017, we've got standing fuel that's dry, that's tall, that's abundant. And we've got the fuel resources to create one heck of a fire. Wildfires have burned over 8,000 acres in Texas this year. That's following 210,000 acres burned last year. There are a variety of options for Texas High Plains cattle raisers to consider over the next couple of years. James Hunt takes a look at those options from Amarillo. For Texas High Plains ranchers looking for the best way to move forward in the current cattle market, Texas A&M AgriLife beef cattle specialist Jason Smith says some sort of stockering or backgrounding program could be a good short-term consideration, particularly if you happen to have more forage than you currently have demand for. The long-term precipitation outlooks, at least as I've recently seen them, say to expect normal precipitation, not above normal precipitation. And so that tells me we may not be moving into this period of a few years of substantial forage abundance. And so I think being conservative and having flexibility, so the ability to easily adjust stocking rates can be advantageous in that situation. So for some producers, that may be a conventional stockering system growing feeder steers or feeder heifers that are going to eventually go on and be fed and finished in the feed yard and then marketing them accordingly. Another option for some producers may be heifer retention or purchasing heifers to develop as replacement females, but then to market either all or a large portion of those females. That would allow some operations the opportunity to slowly rebuild their herd, but also give them the opportunity to be very judicious and selective about the animals that they use to repopulate their herds as they rebuild. So we move forward and continue in a strong bred female market and the expectations for that to continue to increase, there may be opportunity for some producers to take advantage of that and at the same time, slowly rebuild their cow herds. Texas A&M AgriLife Beef Cattle Specialist, Jason Smith. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. USDA's latest trade forecast is out. Tom Nicoletti has more. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's revised fiscal year 2023 numbers from the previous May forecast provide the first look at potential fiscal year 2024 ag exports. Sean Arita, in the office of the chief economist at USDA, addresses the August report. 
We are forecasting our exports to be 172 billion. This is down 5.5 billion from last year. Looking back at fiscal year 2022, U.S. agricultural exports set the record for sales, while FY 2023 came in second. For fiscal year 2024, that would be about $24.1 billion lower than that banner year set in 2022. That $172 billion will still mark us as having the third highest year of exports. Soybeans, we are forecasting $26.5 billion, and that would be down about $5.8 billion from FY23, attributed to lower expected U.S. production forecast, tighter supply conditions relative to last year for soybeans. There's competition from South America, and we also have high domestic crush demand. U.S. exports of dairy products are also predicted to be lower. Our exports, we're forecasting it down for this coming year by $1.2 billion. And this is reflecting lower global prices for skim milk powder, whey, cheese, and butter. Corn, we are forecasting $13.3 billion for FY24. That is slightly up by about $500 million, mainly on higher volume, which more than offset the lower prices. Poultry and pork, we are forecasting it up slightly on strengthening demand and more stable supplies. That is Sean Arita in the USDA Office of the Chief Economist. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. With two years of heat and drought, should you risk planting winter forages this fall? Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson looks for some answers to that question. Ideally, we would like to plant forages to soil moisture. Summer pastures should be overseeded in October and early November, depending on location. Delaying planting may give us an opportunity to plant to soil moisture, depending on rainfall chances. However, delaying planting too late, such as late November or December, will decrease overall forage production, as well as result in a shorter grazing period. Cool soil temperatures are important for good germination and establishment for small grains and annual ryegrass. Daily minimum temperatures should be below 75 degrees Fahrenheit for good stand establishment. Small grains such as oats, small grain rye, and wheat perform best in specific regions. Most of their forage production is in the fall and early winter. Small grain rye is adapted to a wide variety of soil types and more productive than other small grains. Oats are the least cold tolerant and should be planted in central and southern portions of the state. Wheat is better adapted to colder temperatures and performs well north of I-20. Annual ryegrass, which produces majority of the forage in the spring, can be planted later than other forages. The rainfall needs of ryegrass limits production to portions of the state east of I-35. Also, keep in mind, since we have had dry periods followed by intermittent rainfall, we can see populations of fall armyworms. As you plant winter forages, be prepared to scout for armyworms following any significant rainfall. Scout early in the morning and be prepared to take action that day if you find three or more per square foot. Delaying control can lead to a complete loss of any winter forage seedlings. Read labels of pesticide products to make sure you are using the product correctly and safely. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. If you plan on hunting teal when the season opens, there are a few things you need to know. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And a new technique has been developed to better evaluate embryo health. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Wow. 
Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. The 2023 convention boasts outstanding educational, informative, and networking opportunities. Find more information by visiting www.tcfa.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Embryo transfer is common in the cattle industry. Dr. Bob Judd says a new technique has been developed to better evaluate the embryo's health. A new company has developed the first non-invasive and objective method to evaluate a bovine embryo's health to improve the success rate of embryo transfer and in vitro fertilization. The company Mgenesis has developed the system, and they are scanning embryos and using software to provide veterinarians with more objective data regarding an embryo's developmental stress, metabolic function, and overall health. The company developed a web-based platform, which is advanced analytics, and when using the tools, cattle pregnancy rates for both beef and dairy cattle can be approved by 20%. The Envision software allows veterinarians to record 30-second videos of embryos with a smartphone, upload the videos into the company's website, and receive a digital report with detailed information. The resulting information can help practitioners determine the health of an embryo and whether to keep it or discard it, and optimize the breeding strategy. Kara Wells is the CEO of the company. She indicates at Bovine Veterinarian that using the system can create a higher level of satisfaction for their clients when they get higher pregnancy rates. Typically, embryos are graded on size, shape, and color under the microscope, and she believes some technicians do not have the knowledge and experience to determine which embryos are good. Also, there are things going on inside the embryo that the human eye cannot see as the embryo should be growing, and this is difficult to determine visually as the embryo could be dying. So if you're using embryo transfer in your cattle herd, ask your veterinarian about this new technology to better assess the health of an embryo. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Teal season is now open. Jessica Domel takes a look at a few things you need to know if you plan to hunt. Kevin Cry, Waterfowl Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says there have been no changes to teal hunting regulations this year. He says those who plan to hunt teal will need a valid federal duck stamp and a few other items to legally hunt when the season opens. Obviously, our standard hunting license, individuals will also need to get their migratory game bird endorsement or what we used to call stamp, and that's a $7 endorsement. And then also make sure that each migratory game bird hunter has their harvest information program certification. So that's just a federally required process to get information about our migratory game bird hunters. Teal hunters will also need to check their gun to ensure they have the proper ammunition. For all migratory game birds, you have to have a plug shotgun, a shotgun that can only hold no more than three shells. For teal, they are a waterfowl, and so they'll also be required to have non-toxic shot. The daily bag limit for early teal is six birds that may include blue or green wing teal or cinnamon teal. Hunters are encouraged to ensure the ducks they harvest are identifiable in case they are stopped by a game warden. 
all migratory game birds have to be identifiable and then also be attached essentially to the hunter that shot them. So the birds need to be separated and not mixed in a giant pile so that wardens know exactly who shot what. And yes, they need to be identifiable to species. So if you want to clean them in the field or traveling, at the very least, the wing needs to be retained on the breast tissue. Legal shooting hours are one half hour before sunrise to sunset. Early teal season runs from Saturday, September 9th through the 24th. Be sure to check the outdoor annual for full regulations. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. We wrapped up a pretty good week in the cattle market on Friday. We'll look back at all the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. The 2023 convention boasts outstanding educational, informative, and networking opportunities. Find more information by visiting www.tcfa.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We had a pretty good week in the cattle futures market last week with some really nice gains. Now, on Friday, things settled down a bit. We traded on both sides of unchange, and that's how we closed it out. With October live cattle down 42 cents, 183.22. December down 7, 187.42. February live cattle up 30 at 191.70. Feeder cattle market mostly higher on all except the nearby September contract. It was down 22 cents, 255.35. October feeders up 27, 259.15, with November feeder cattle up 35 at 260.72. We had a nice gain in the cash fed cattle market last week here in Texas and the Southern Plains. We sold cattle at 180. That's one to two bucks higher compared to the previous week. In the Northern Plains, they had live sales 183 to 185, dressed sales of 290. The remaining cattle on the show list here in the South priced at 180 and better. Boxed beef prices were higher Friday, choice up $1.89, 313.55, select up 29 at 286.46. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My guest, Carl Herman. Carl Herman and family sell cattle in Caldwell every Wednesday. Carl, how was this week's sale? You know, we had a pretty good sale yesterday, Larry. Uh, we had over 900 head uh, with a higher uh, calf market and steady cow market uh, for 110 consigners and 42 buyers. Uh, we had uh, 125 cows and bulls yesterday, slaughtered cows 75 to 115, slaughtered bulls 85 to 132, stocker cows 800 to 1450, and the pairs 1300 to 1925. On the calf side, on the steers, two three-weight steers brought 250 to 305, three or four weights, 275 to 340, four to five-weight steers, 240 to 325. 
five to six weights, 230 to 255. Six to seven weight steers brought 212 to 240. And seven to eight weights, 215 to 230. On the uh, heifers, on the two to three weight heifers brought $2, 225. Three to four weights, 230 to 320. Four to five weight heifers, 230 to 252. The five and six weights, 215 to 250. Six to seven weight heifers brought 213 to 237. And the seven to eight weights, 185 to 210. Uh, overall, had a good day. A uh, lot of good cattle. Uh, uh, we're getting some some uh, uh, really good strings of calves coming from some some of our uh, little bigger producers. And uh, the cattle are, you know, weighing five, six hundred, seven hundred. And uh, they're really uniformed and good. So uh, we were able to deal out quite a few of those uh, areas for our customers and, and uh, uh, get along with them pretty good. Good. We hope it uh, continues through next week at Caldwell Livestock Commission Company. They sell over Wednesday. Carl Herman and family. Tell everybody how to contact you. Okay. Uh, my number is 979-820-5349. Call the barn, 567-4119. If you're in the Giddings and surrounding area, call Max Edward, 540-8676. Carl, thanks for being on the program. Neighbor, thanks for listening to Walking the Pens on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. You're listening to me right this second on Texas Ag Today. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Our lean hogs finished lower Friday. October hogs dropped a dollar thirty, eighty-one fifty-two. December down eighty-two cents at seventy-four fifty-five. Class three milk took a drop on Friday. September milk down eleven cents, eighteen forty-seven a hundredweight. The October contract down twenty-one at an even nineteen dollars a hundred. The cotton market managed to gain some ground following a favorable USDA export sales report released Friday morning. They showed 85,100 running bales sold for the 23-24 season and an additional 6,600 bales for the 24-25 crop year. That helped to boost prices a bit. October was up 79 points at 84.41. December cotton up 53, 85.91. With March cotton up 53 points, 86.09. Corn market drifted lower with very little news to boost prices. September corn dropped two and a quarter, 468 and a half. December corn down two and a half, 483 and three quarters. With March corn down two at 498 a bushel. The wheat market finished lower as Russia continues to dominate the world wheat export market. And that weighs on our prices with December Kansas City wheat dropping five cents, seven thirty-two a bushel. December Chicago wheat down four at five ninety-five and three quarters. In the energy markets, October natural gas was up two cents, two sixty. October West Texas crude up fifty cents at eighty-seven thirty-seven a barrel. The financial markets very narrowly mixed on Friday afternoon. The Dow up twelve points at thirty-four thousand five twelve. The NASDAQ down 6, 13,742. The S&P was unchanged, 4,451. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.